You are now listening to Out of the Blank. 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 Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with Peter Bonasek. Did I say hey. that correctly? Yeah, that, that's correct, Robbie. Uh, thanks for having me. Well, tell me a little bit about yourself, Peter, and what do you do professionally? Uh, well, uh, I'm in my mid-30s. Um, I'm into pop culture, you know, so I'm a bit of a nerd. Uh, on the professional side, I'm a mail carrier. Uh, so I'm your friendly neighborhood mailman. Um, on my, uh, in terms of hobbies, podcasting wise, that that's what I, I love to do. Um, to a lot of people, podcasting is a hobby, uh, but to me, it's a, it's a little bit more than that, right? It's the interactions with the fans, it's your, your listeners, um, the people that, you know, give you your, their time. Those are the people I enjoy interacting with and they, you know, ultimately become family sometimes. You know, I have something to ask you about the whole mail carrier uh, job scenario, because I've talked to a few people that do um, the same position, and they're also fellow podcasters, and they tell me about their hours, and it seems like those are like the perfect hours. You're up, like if you're doing a newspaper route, you're up pretty early before everyone else is awake. But also, does it scare you that the fact that now we're having all of these auto drive cars now, where it seems like it's eliminating kind of the postal service in a way? You know, that's a very good question. Uh, I've been doing this for almost 13 years now. And as far as I can remember, there's always something that was going to affect the Postal Service. Um, for almost 13 years, I've heard they're going to eliminate Saturday delivery. Well, guess what? We Not only are we still delivering mail six days a week, we added Sundays where some carriers come in and deliver Amazon packages. Um, so we're just always looking to stay competitive in terms of... Uh, uh, drones or automatic driving vehicles. Well, if you have, you need somebody that still has to take the packages to the door. Uh, some things still need signatures. Um, people are often asking like, well, do, do people even utilize the mail anymore? Well, absolutely. You have uh, hospitals, you know, that send out uh, medicine, you know, for to make it more convenient for people. Uh, you have legal services that also still use hard copies of things and need those sent out. So we're still going to be relevant for the foreseeable future. Um, it's just going to be a little bit more competitive with people uh, like Amazon just started uh, hiring their own drivers uh, instead of using the post office or FedEx or uh, UPS a little bit. I think um, Amazon's trying to basically eliminate everyone from the game possible. I think so too, but it, it seems as though I think their own drivers seem to have a little bit more issues uh, you got to remember the post office has been around for hundreds of years. And we also go uh, from door to door, every door in America. Uh, Amazon drivers, even UPS drivers and FedEx drivers, they have to go over from delivery to delivery. Um, I often find some of those people on the wrong streets, uh, wrong side of town. <laughs> hey, it's not like, one of my car accidents. I was hit by a FedEx driver. So, yeah. So, you know, so, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say uh, the postal carriers are, you know, don't get into uh, accidents themselves because we clearly do. But we, well, your you people, know, your people, people yeah, make mistakes. We, we are absolutely nobody is a machine and uh, we will make mistakes. And that's the other thing, too. People are like, you know, they, I feel they hold us to a bit of a higher standard because we're, quote unquote, you know, the government, which we're actually state. But 
Um, yeah, they don't understand too. Like the, you hear a lot of um, incidents, like some cases where usually around Christmas time or when presents and very valuable items are being shipped, you right. hear about like they'll drop it off at a package at the doorstep, and next thing you know they leave. Someone grabs their package. There was a big scare of that. I think like a couple of years ago, uh, people wanted to get security cameras and all this stuff because people are just taking Christmas packages. You guys are there for the service. Um, Mostly you're there to deliver it on time and also make sure you get all your stuff delivered by a certain time for your route. A lot of people look at you as like, oh, like you were delivering this package to me and it wasn't here on time. It said it was going to be it said it was going to be between these hours, then the hours change. Well, there's traffic too. Keep that in mind. I think people become more sensitive and more kind of, I guess, angry towards you as a person. Um, that you're not doing your job correctly because they get kind of sensitive because usually they're waiting on that package for so long. So when it is expected that day, they want it to be like right there in the morning when they wake up. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and that, that's that's a, a, another thing that's a bit of a disadvantage for us because we're a little bit behind in technology. So when we started implementing, uh, you know, quote unquote, real time, uh, tracking, that's where it was kind of hurting us at, at times because people are able to see where their packages are. Sometimes they end up at the wrong stations. You know, things happen. I have to bring um, this up. What happens if you have to take a shit and you have a package that's supposed to be delivered right now? And the guy's like, why is he at the gas station for three hours now? Why, why is he not moving? What's going on? Is the tracking messed up? No, it says he's still there. Well, what's he doing at the gas station? Yeah. And you're like, I had yeah. a poop, man. I had the gas station sushi, and this is what happened. I'm sorry. I couldn't deliver you your ointment or whatever you needed. <laughs> uh, well, you know, if you got to take a shit, you go take a shit. Exactly. Uh, and, and hopefully it is in an actual restroom, too, because I have seen mail carriers end up on the news for going where they shouldn't be going. Um, that that happens. And, you know, I'm not trying to apologize for those type of people, but we're under so much um, you know, Big Brother is always watching us. You know, we have our scanners that tell, uh, you know, whoever's looking exactly where we are and how long we've been idle and things of that nature. Um, good thing for us is most of our packages, they their expected due dates are the day of. And usually they say by like close of business, which is later on in the evening to kind of cover our asses. And then we you have get, express the, mail. Yeah, you get the priorities done first. Exactly. Those, you know, um, th there's different services. You can have your package expected by 1030 a.m. noon. And then there's even one like 3 p.m. So um, those would be clearly marked and those, you know, you can deviate uh, those packages to make sure you get those on time because those are guaranteed. Otherwise, you get to those other deliveries when you get to them because every single route, it has a line of travel. So there's a delivery sequence. So we don't just jump around and drive randomly to different blocks. Usually you go block by block, you know, and there, there, there's boundaries and things like that. So everybody's assigned their own routes and their own actual deliveries. I think it's pretty cool. If you look at the progression of the mail system, a lot of people think like you were saying earlier that the mail, there's no need for it anymore. How many people actually use mail? Well, we use mail every day. It's just, it's mm -hmm. turned into a new form where we have email. We have these things. Uh, it's more of an online basis. But if you look at mailing, if ever you need to mail a document, uh, you get a jury summons, anything that involves government, that comes through the mail and you have to go buy stamps and you have to mail it back. Because that right. is it up. That is a priority. You know, if you're trying to ship something across a long distance, you need to get the weight analyzed. You need to get all these things. I always wondered what would happen if I pooped in an envelope and mailed it to my landlord, but you know, uh, apparently that doesn't fly through the mail. But no, I have, no, it I, doesn't. 
it's funny because we had this one kid at my uh, local high school as a senior prank picked up cow poop and tried to mail it through the mail to our principal. And you know, it's it's possible. I mean, I'm not going to tell you guys exactly how to do it, but people do mail samples to the hospitals. Uh, they have their own envelopes and things of that nature. So sometimes we even have to collect samples. Oh my goodness. It sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, what's in this? Like, <laughs> I mean, how many times as a person, we all have the curiosity factor, which is like probably the one bad part about me if I was a news or if I was a mail carrier is I'd probably be shaking the packages, wondering what's in there. Like, Oh, it's Christmas time. I wonder what this guy got. Oh, it sounds uh, like, a, it sounds like a bell or a whistle or something. And then like next, thing you know, it's like a hamster and you murdered the hamster. Oh yeah, no, we do. I, I don't believe there's any. I, I've only seen like live birds, you know, kind of come through, uh, but those are clearly packaged in a certain way that you know they're actual birds and they're Wait, labeled as such. You've mailed or you've seen a bird, like you've carried it on your route before. Oh yeah, live birds. You know, we keep that separate from the other packages for the have, obvious reasons. Do oh, you people- ever like <laughs> have to walk that actually up to the? Like, I know you're not leaving it in a mailbox. Like, you don't know if that person's going to check their mail if you leave a bird in the mailbox. You know that bird's dead. But when you deliver it to the door, you ever wonder like who the fuck ordered the toucan in the back? Like, what it what what is happening right now? You know, um, usually when it's something like that, people are expecting it. And most of the times they're home. Um, If we get to the house and there's nobody there to answer the door, typically we would just bring that back because we, you know, you have to leave a notice for them to come pick it up. We wouldn't just leave anything on the doorstep uh, because there are things that also need signatures. And if no one's there to sign for it, we leave a notice, you know. So, um, yeah, I've seen all types of things come through. I've seen people mail a flip-flop just one just one flip-flop you know as like a postcard hey yeah, man they, they, <laughs> i saw you lost this flip-flop yeah um, i don't exactly. know what the other one is but i found return to sender right so um yeah all types of things as long as you're covering the postage you know if it's for the right weightage and and size and you put enough postage and an address more you know most of the times so we can actually send out stuff uh, you know, you can't send liquids, you can't send alcohol. So there, there are stipulations, but for the most part, you could almost send anything. So tell me exactly what's probably the weirdest thing you can think of that could be mailed, that is allowed to be mailed, like regulation wise, like one that would be the weirdest thing you could possibly find, but there's not really anything against it saying you could mail it. I, it's hard for me um, to think of one just because I, I think somebody that works the window would, would know a lot more just because, you know, they have questions that they have to ask. For me, I just deliver the package. So the most that I would even know what an item is, is if um, if I happen to catch like where it's coming from, you know, if it was directly ordered from uh, a certain company and I know what that company is or um, if... Uh, I, I, you know, like you, you mentioned like the holidays or something like that. It, uh, so most of the times we don't know what something is unless we happen to hear a, a toy go off, you know, uh, so, uh, something that plays a lullaby. Um, and a lot of times people even, they don't package something well enough that by the time it gets to the receiver, like the package is slightly damaged. You, you got to think about all the packages that get sorted and get stacked and, and all that extra weight. You know, we do the best that we can. But again, since we are the representatives of the post office, you know, we are the ones that kind of get the shit, you know, one on one because we are the ones that people see first for the most part. Now, do you prefer to actually greet your customers or greet the people you're delivering the mail to or do you just prefer to leave it by the door and not have to deal with anything? 
Uh, you know, it, it depends on my mood of the day, <laughs> to be honest with you, uh, because I do consider myself a people person. Um, I'm actually a, a certified trainer for the post office. So uh, any new carriers that come in, I have to train them. Uh, I've been an instructor uh, in the classroom setting. A matter of fact, um, you know, off mic, I, I mentioned to you that I'm on uh, uh, vacation here for a week, just a staycation. Um, but on Tuesday, tomorrow, when I go back to work, I'm actually going to be training a brand new guy, um, which is going to kind of suck for him. I mean, it's good and bad because he's coming in at one of the most busiest times of the year. But after he gets trained up and knows, you know, knows enough, it, it's just going to get easier from here on out because after the holidays, then things get lighter. I, I, I see. So well, you're, it, I'm trying to, I'm trying to come at it from uh, like a, cause I'm, I have so many questions when it comes to mail delivery. I just, okay. I know that's a weird uh, thing. People are like, why are you asking so many questions? I'm like, no, well there's, it's, it's interesting. Like, cause I know like my personal ma- mail carrier down here, we get her stuff on the holidays and stuff, even though we never really have any, like a whole lot of communication, mostly because whenever we get a package, we're never home. Right. Um, but she's really, really nice. Like, you know, yeah. she'll, she likes to sit and talk. She likes to do that, but also knows she has to get her route done. That's and right. it's one area, like one woman that covers our whole area. So mm-hmm. like, she's constantly like relied on every single day. And we live in a pretty, um, it's an older community. I'm probably like me and my family are probably the youngest ones here. Um, it's mostly like an old golf course, Jenner, you know, that old, oh, nice. Yeah. Retirement type. It's not as nice as you would think. There's just a bunch <laughs> of golf courses everywhere, but, um, it's crazy. Cause like you get to see the camaraderie and the stuff like that. I'm like, I think that would be the coolest thing if I was going to be a mail carrier was to have that communication with people, you know, be able to crack a joke. And then like you were saying, have your days where you just kind of want to drop off the package and go on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I find it rewarding doing what I do. And that's why I became a trainer is, you know, I wasn't voluntold. I actually went to management and said, Hey, uh, I would like to be a trainer. Uh, not only management have to believe that I would be a good candidate to be, uh, to do so, uh, the, the union, we have a union as well that also have to agree. Uh, so once both sides agree, I go to, um, a training myself to, to learn how to, uh, teach a class and instruct and all, all, all of these. And then, and then I get certified and you know, just attest to it. So there is a bit of a process. And the reason I wanted to become a trainer is, again, I, I feel like I am a people person, but I also spent, uh, oh, pardon me, uh, I spent 10 years in the army. And while I was in the army, I was doing the, you know, the old motto, be all you can be. Um, so I try to bring that into the, you know, the post office side. And I always try to learn what I can. So that way I can help others when uh, people have questions. Just because, you know, there's so much that, uh, there's so many moving parts in, in what we do. And it's often, uh, things are often, I don't want to say overlooked, but uh, we have so many things that are on our mind. Uh, our job is so tedious. Uh, we have all these, these, all these things that we have to remember in our daily routine. And sometimes we go on auto, autopilot and it's very easy to kind of, um, you know, just overlooks, uh, you know, a small detail throughout our day, but having your own route, what I liked about it, the, the, uh, the route that I had the, the, the longest was about five and a half years, I would say. And what I loved about it was seeing families grow. You know, I remember a newlywed couple, uh, moving into, uh, or onto the route and then they had a baby and then I got to see the, the baby grow up to, you know, about three, four years old before I left that route. 
you know, you, you mentioned you give your male lady, uh, you know, tips or whatever during the holidays. We often get that too. You know, I had a business that gave me a couple hundred dollars just because I, I come in every single day with a smile. Um, they treat me like family. They feed me. If they have like a little office party, they have some food. They always pack, you know, pack a little food on a little plate, wrap it up for me. And, to, and you know, because I have to put it in a bag and walk it all the way back into my vehicle. You know, I have mail in my hands and packages in my my satchel. So people take care of me when you take care of them. Now, do you walk these or do you drive? I do a little bit of both. Um, I'm actually, so I don't have my own route anymore. Uh, what I what I am is called a utility carrier. And what that is, I sub for the same five people every week. So all those five people have a different day off because, you know, we all work five days a week, but there's six days of delivery. So I'm the guy who subs for these same five people on their days off. Um, so, so I kind of have customers. A lot of the people that uh, I do deliver to on these routes, some of them recognize me, the ones that I see often. Um, but, but since I'm like the sub, it's the regular carriers that, um, that tip me. Ah, I see. So how did you go from, or, yeah. how did you go from delivering public, uh, kind of mail in a way for the old kind of mail where you were kind of delivering a whole nother form in the army? Well, I, I wasn't, uh, deliver. I mean, in, in I, the army, I was, a, that's a bad pun on words. I was trying to say like, <laughs> it was like a propaganda act for the army or whatever. They all like be all you can be or, you know, army strong, that whole propaganda. Right, right, right. I was like, so tell me how did that transition happen? Like you went kind of a completely different route. You okay. Yeah, okay. I see combat boots for a satchel and shorts. Right, right. Uh, funny you bring up the shorts because I'm, I'm the weird guy who stays covered up all year long. So 100 degree weather, I'm wearing pants and a windbreaker, uh, and, and I'll get to that. Uh, but the, the transition to, to answer your question is, yeah, I, I served uh, almost 10 years, and a lot of people were like, dude, you were halfway there. You, you could retire at 20. Um, well, you know, I, I had a family at a very young age. Okay, uh, I, I had uh, my, my oldest son right now, you, you mentioned you're 21, my oldest son is 19. Uh, I had him the end of junior year in high school. So I was one of the original teen, teen parents, you know. Um, so I, I enlisted into the military and my then girlfriend, you know, who's now my wife, we've been together almost 17 years or no, almost 18 years. Ooh, hopefully she doesn't listen to this. Almost 18 years. And, um, you know, I, I went to, uh, I helped out with the Hurricane uh, Katrina effort. Uh, I went to Afghanistan. Uh, I, I served uh, active duty in Kansas. So I had to leave the family for long periods of time, at least three times. Uh, my son was 10 years old when he started telling me he didn't want me going away anymore. My then girlfriend who was watching my son, who's not hers, um, she said that it was you know, being very difficult with me being gone, you know, because she was, she felt like a single parent, you know, she loved my son as her own, but she was kind of doing it on her own as well. So that really struck a chord. And, you know, I made the difficult decision of, you know, uh, in, in not re-upping as they say, right. So I, uh, at, at the end of my, um, term, I did not re-enlist. And, and then after that, I sought out a, uh, a regular job. Uh, her parents actually both work for the postal service. Her mom works at the plant processing mail. Her father uh, does what I do. And so they said, hey, well, you're a veteran. Why don't you uh, go try the post office? And I applied. And funny enough, I actually got hired on as a civilian. So I didn't get my you know, uh, military point or anything like that because 
I just wasn't thinking about it. And I took my test with the general public and I didn't have my, uh, you know, the right forms to get the extra points, but I ultimately got the job anyway. Yeah. You you wanted to trade in because you you had a family starting out. You wanted to, you know, be a little bit more at home, like you were saying. That's a, that's a good way. It seems like what a lot of people who are in the military decide to do, uh, especially when they have a family, they end up realizing like, you know, this time away from them is not very good for them and not very good for the family back at home. Absolutely. Um, which a, lot, I, a lot of missed holidays, you know? Yeah. A lot of missed holidays. And it's crazy because do you work holidays doing mail? I do. It it gets really, matter of fact, I mean, it's funny that it's November now, uh, October. I, I felt for some reason, it just felt a little bit more overwhelming than most Octobers, but we're definitely in the season now where uh, our hours are a lot longer. Um, you know, like uh, I, the latest I've clocked out, Robbie, the latest I have clocked out was 10 p.m. Oh, damn. How are you delivering packages at 10 o'clock at night? You show well, up to my door with a package. <laughs> it better be expected. It better not be like, oh, here's your uh, water bill. If you showed up at my porch at 10 o'clock with that, I'll be like, all right, buddy. Look, we oh, have, yeah. I'm eating family dinner right now. There, there's all types of things. And, you know, and, and people are like, you know, they, they see us at like, you know, six, seven, eight o'clock p.m. at night. And, and some people have been like, wow, you're still working out this late. And, you know, on our side, it's like, Yes. Like we had a choice. I did not wake up at 2 PM and just decide to go to work, you know? So what people don't understand is the volume of mail dictates how long you'll deliver. We all have, um, you know, this computer program that says, Hey, you have about this uh, amount of mail volume and this amount of packages. This is about how long it should take you today. So the more mail mathematically it's going to take you longer. And there are other things that happen too. So not only are you taking care of your own route, um, recently here in Oregon, we had uh, a voters ballots and pamphlets all mailed out. So in Oregon, we can vote through the mail. You know, they, they send you your ballots, you check off a bunch of things, slap a, a stamp on it, and you mail it in with the, with the signature and it gets counted. Um, those ballots, when they came, when, let, let's say a route averages about 1,500 letters. Okay, that could be utility bills, you know, quote unquote, junk mail, as people like to uh, term it. Um, and then when the ballots came, you're, you're looking at what average three ballots per household. Let's say there's about 600 households on that particular route. You know, you're, you're looking at another 1800 letters on top of the 1500 that you already average. That's well over 3000 letters that you're already having to manage. Right. So that's going to take a little bit more time. Um, People don't understand like, well, it's the same amount of deliveries. Well, you know, you're, you're holding about 40 letters in your hands for about 20 houses. And by the time you get to one house, you're standing stationary, thumbing through all that mail, looking for just that one house before you have to move, right? So we're constantly moving, we're constantly sorting mail. And all the while, we have packages and little parcels in our satchel that we have to be mindful of too. You know, because sometimes people will walk by a house and be like, well, damn, that's three houses back. So now I have to backtrack, you know, or maybe if you wait until you're across the street from the house, you can walk across the street. So there's all these little things that you got to remember. And, um, and not only that, sometimes you got sick calls or you got people that have to get off early because of doctor's appointments. Well, you don't just stop delivery. Guess what? Somebody else has to pull that extra work. Right. So I can spend nine hours on my own route because of, you know, my mail volume. But then somebody calls in sick, I might have to pick up an extra hour, maybe two hours of the route. And sometimes 
that's at the beginning of the route. So now I'm going to the beginning of a route at four or five in the afternoon when they typically get there. So like maybe nine in the morning, you know? And so often people are like, they look at their wrist. Oh, you're late today. Again, like we don't know. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. Uh, right. So, I, it, you know, like I, I hate to, you know, bring up like the joke of, oh, a disgruntled uh, postal worker. Well, we're under so much stress and, you know, you got management on your back and the, the public on your back. You know, again, we're held to uh, a certain a standard, standard because, you know, yeah. I You know, I can see that. It's crazy because I think when it comes to a lot of what has really been sparking my interest lately is the amount of advertisements that get monetized through the mail now. Like you're used mm. to seeing advertisements on your phone. It seems like your every waking minute has become just one giant advertisement. But how often when you actually deliver mail, you put it in the mailbox, whatever, is it just magazines and advertisement for so much stuff? Yeah, yeah. A, a lot of it is that, but there's still a lot of people, including our our own household. We still prefer like paper billing, and I know you know you 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 want to go green and, and save paper, but uh, they have a routine of how how they know what bills have been paid and stuff. And then you know everyone has their own way that works for them. Um, excuse me, but um, but often I do find that it, a lot of times where people are like, oh, is there anything good? And, you know, I, I, we have a certain reputation, so I always crack jokes. You know, if, if I don't see anything, quote unquote, good that they might like, I go, oh, no lottery checks today. I'm sorry. You know, and then uh, they get a good chuckle and they take the mail and they go inside. But, um, yeah, you, you know, and, and we can't filter out that mail for people. You know, we have to deliver what comes. You know, we are paid to deliver those specific mails from those companies. A lot of time people, you know, write return to sender. And, and sometimes, you know what, that sender didn't even pay for that piece of mail to come back. So it never gets back to them anyway. Um, you know, uh, uh, I, I mentioned how sometimes people call in sick and things like that. Well, sometimes routes don't even have an assigned carrier. You know, it could be something where maybe the neighborhood isn't so great, or maybe the route is just way too overburdened where you just have way too many deliveries and and it's difficult to to deliver on an average of eight hours of work. Um, so sometimes routes like those, somebody will come on, not like it, and then end up leaving. And then you have to wait for the next bidding cycle for somebody to even be interested in that route. And so because of that, you often get maybe sometimes somebody new every single day. Sometimes that route is split up every single day and there's five or six people are trying to complete it. Um, when things like that happen, Obviously, you're going to have a number of people who don't know the route, who don't know the names. And again, that's where like, well, we are the representatives of the Postal Service. So when you get a piece of mail that you keep getting for somebody that you don't know, you go to this mail carrier like this person doesn't live here. Or you might get a nasty note from the customer written on the mail. We don't know. We're just del delivering as addressed. You know what I mean? So, yeah, we go through so many things. It's, it's hard holding that smile throughout the day. And that's why sometimes, depending on my on the day, I just want to deliver your mail in your box and just walk away. I, I don't need anybody to stop me, especially if you just reminded me that I'm about four hours behind. I don't need to stop and talk to you. And yeah. sometimes that's the other thing too. Sometimes we're like the barbers, right? You know, people want to talk to us because sometimes we are the highlights of people's days. And that's okay. But you got to remember that we are on, a, you know, quote unquote, on a schedule. So um, sometimes people aren't mindful of how long they've been talking to us. Sometimes they just want to share what's been going on. And sometimes people just need to be heard. And I totally understand that. And 
over the years, going on 13, I have uh, developed certain things I can uh, to, to say to kind of speed things up. You know, um, now when somebody says, hey, or, uh, you know, usually I can't, I see people first, they're working in their yards. I'll say, hey, how you doing? You know, and if I'm behind or if I don't want to uh, have a long conversation, and they say, good, how are you? I go, good, thanks. And that's it, right? That doesn't open up for you to reply. Because sometimes I can't just stop right there. Uh, but sometimes they might continue on. So there's a little tricks to kind of get people to stop talking. Yeah, I like that there's um, this weird kind of camaraderie when you some dude comes up and goes, can you sign this? And be like, I, this is this package isn't for me. Like, I just need someone to sign. You can write anything down. And it seems like they just accept it anyway, as long as someone was there and put the pen to the thing. Well, there are certain items that uh, it does need to be signed by the recipient. Um, you know, like, uh, for example, Department of Child Services, right? Sometimes those those mail come restricted delivery, which actually needs that person's uh, signature. And it's all about the wording, you know. You say, hey, I have this this mail for this person. Are they here to sign for it? I think most people are pretty honest and nobody's going to be like, oh, um, yeah, that's me. Let me let me sign that that very important piece of mail from uh, Department of Child Services. You know what I mean? So, um, but but we are trained to also ask for ID for different types of deliveries that do require that. Uh, and over one twenty age, like an over twenty one age type thing. You yeah, can answer the door, be like, yeah, yeah, I got this package for uh, your uh, your um, uh, mom. Is your mom home? No, but I can. She said I can sign for it. I don't think you want to sign for this. Why? And you look at the box; it just says "dirtied up." sex shop stuff on there right i don't want to hand this to you because you're a child and i know what's in this box because it's been vibrating for the past 45 minutes (laughs) yeah yeah those are usually over 18 i believe but again you know just ask for some id and uh if you know if you're uncomfortable we can always leave a notice say oh she's not here okay here let me leave this this slip here with the information on it and she can come pick it up or ask us to re-deliver on a day that she is here Dude, so, I I'm, I just tell them if they're going to leave it. Like, I like the aspect now when you deliver or when you order something, you can tell, like, delivery instructions, just leave it by the side of the door or leave it something, like, inside the door. Mm-hmm. Some dude left a video game. This is – I don't know if you know the game Halo Reach. I've, I'm familiar with the Halo franchise. Okay. My grandma bought this game and ordered, like, had it pre-ordered and sent to my house. She's from Baltimore, so we're about a state, a couple states away. Okay. And so I was like, oh, my God, this it says I'm going to get this game. So all my friends are playing it, and I'm waiting on the fucking mail guy. <laughs> I know, I know. But I was a kid. I've learned. But I'm sitting yeah. there like, I'm going to meet him at the mailbox. I've been up since 5 a.m. He's not here. I'm going to meet him at the mailbox. I wait at the mailbox for till I, no, I think I went at like 10. I waited till lunch, dude. Okay. I was around there at 1230. Mail guy comes, delivers everything. Nothing. I said, hang on, you forgot my package. He said, there's no package in here for that name. There's no package at all in there for this at all. I'm like, okay, is there any possible way that you left it somewhere or you gave it to somebody else? So I end up questioning them for 30 minutes. I end up riding home really, really upset. I, so I rode home on my bike, parked my bike, drove like, God, this sucks. I open up the door and step, I crunch right on the game. Oh, no. <laughs> Dude, I was so angry, but it came, when you pre-ordered it, it came in a hard-covered box. So the crunching was the actual stuff that was packaged around the box. So I didn't actually hurt the Okay. Game. But you got to saw my eyes and the fire in them and watch the light just 
like someone just snuffed my flame when I heard that crunch. My dad's like, oh, like he just looked at me. He was like, did you just break your game? I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm afraid to, I'm afraid to look, man. And um, I ended up, you know, having a good time playing all that. But they delivered it to my doorstep, but they placed it in the most inconvenient spot where I was a kid, you know, had other things in my mind, rushing up the steps, trying to figure out where this package is. I run up and go and open up the door and it's right, like literally under the placemat. Like who places that right there? Uh, honestly, a lot of people, because it disguises it from the sidewalk. Because if you just, uh, you know, left it on the porch and anybody that walks by can see it and they'll steal it. Um, being somebody, you know, um, in the de- delivery service, you know, and not just the post office, we try our best to hide the packages so nobody can see it. Because there's nothing worse than knowing that you delivered a certain package and then finding out later that, you know, there was a call saying, hey, my package isn't here or it was stolen. Or one time, I remember specifically specifically delivering a package, and then a few hours later, I saw that very package opened on a side street later on in my route. So, you know, how do I explain that, right? So we do the best that we can, and there's really no rhyme or reason to where you put a package. is actually on the person that delivers it, but for the most part, you know, the rule of thumb is if you can see it from the sidewalk, you're not hiding it well enough. All right, so we've asked and we talked about mail for a lot now. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No worries. I've drained you on the mail. I want to get over to this because we're talking about delivering a whole new message. A message of, do you want to finish it for me? Uh, I don't know where you're going with it. You know where I'm going with this. Your podcast. The oh, okay. Pie podcast. You're doing a podcast on the fucking Karate Kid. Okay. I am, I do, yeah, yeah. So where were you when you first saw this movie? You know, I cannot remember when I first saw it. Uh, It came out in 1984. I was born in 1983. So my guess would be late 90s, late 80s, uh, I would imagine. Um, I'm a huge Back to the Future fan, and I probably saw these two movies about the same time. Uh, You know, I am Asian American. Uh, I'll throw that out now. And, you know, The Karate Kid has Mr. Miyagi. I didn't have a grandfather around very much. I had grandfathers, but, you know, I was born in Texas and one grandfather was there and then the other grandfather was in Colorado. So I never got to see them growing up. Um, I had one grandmother growing up with me in, here in Oregon. Uh, so I don't know. I, 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 I wonder if like the Mr. Miyagi uh, character I felt was like a grandfather because I never had one around. And so like I always kind of gravitated to that movie, but the relationship between Mr. Miyagi and Daniel was always something that, that stuck with me, very much like the the characters of Do, uh, Doc and Marty from Back to the Future. I like that because my first time, like I, I can explain to you exactly where I was. I was at my grandparents' house spending the summer up there. We'd work up on the summertime. It was probably around 12 or 13, um, mostly just watching like average television, playing my PlayStation or something on, you know, not when I'm not doing like lawn mowing or something like that, just spending yeah. summers inside as a kid, especially when you're in Delaware, you're not near any of your friends. I was a whole state away. So I was like, all right, well, I have to be up here on the weekend. So might as well, you know, see what my grandpa's up to. So I have this grandfather who's addicted to candy. I mean, Halloween candy, he hides it all over the fucking house. <laughs> and, um, so he's sitting in his chair watching, uh, Jason Seagal or not Jason. Is it, it's, uh, Steven Seagal movies, that's his name. I keep getting that right, guy Steven wrong. Seagal, yeah. Well, he's watching the old Westerns and Steven Seagal movies. And next thing you know, Karate Kid pops on. And he's like, hey, 
Robbie, why don't you come in here and watch this with me? I'm like, oh, God, come on, man. I just want to go back to my games. He's like, just come out here and watch this with me. Take an hour and let's watch Karate Kid. I'm like, what the hell is the Karate Kid? So I sit down and I'm watching it. And I'm like, the whole time I'm thinking, I'm like, man, this is like my scenario, like getting picked on, being afraid to fight and all these types of things. And next thing I know, he's got, he finds this old Chinese master that starts teaching him all this stuff. And in the beginning, I'm like, He's making him do all his chores and shit. Yeah. He's making him paint the fence, wash the car, and the yeah. dude thinks he's going to teach him karate. Oh, he'll once he gets that done, he'll teach him karate. Oh, uh, once he gets that done, he'll teach him karate. Oh, I swear, once he gets this done, he'll teach him karate. Next thing you know, he's like, "You've already learned karate." I was like, uh, "At what moment did I get up, go to the bathroom, or get a drink <laughs> that I missed the part where he taught him karate?" And my grandpa's like, "Just watch." And I'm like watching the movie. And next thing you know, he's like, wax on. And I was like, holy shit. The next day I got my ass kicked, but I swear to God, I thought I knew karate. You know, I, I think that did, um, I think a lot of us did that, right? Uh, at least a, lo a lot of stories I've heard people, you know, watch the, you know, the karate kid. And then they tried doing some of those uh, training techniques at home. And then they try to go out and defend themselves and it doesn't work. You know, it, as, as realistic as that movie seemed, you know, it, it's still a movie. So um, did you try the train, uh, crane kick? Is that what it was? No, I tried the just the wax on, wax off. I oh. tried the, cane, the crane kick off my bed, like uh -huh. trying to do like the jump and the, like the kick kind of off the bed. I ended up breaking something where I was like, okay, not doing this again. But I, I just yeah. remember my grandfather was like, I bet you now you think you could take on the world. And I'm walking around like, I know karate from Mr. Miyaki. Yeah, you know what I mean. The 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 the, the tournament scene, right? That that's a little uplifting, and, and you got the music and the stuff. You know, it's very triumphant at the very end. It, it makes people feel good. So um, I can see where he's going with that. You know, uh, making you think that you could take on the world from watching this. It's a it's a true underdog story, right? Just like when people watched uh, Rocky, um, you know, when when they were younger. But um, do you like yeah. that one better than the new one? Because I didn't like the Jaden Smith version that well. I like, I'm a big fan of Jackie Chan, but I'm not a big fan of the way they did that movie. They made it a little bit too off the basis a little bit. And I didn't really like Jaden Smith's acting in a way. Yeah, you know, um, I, I think you kind of just touched on it. Like, uh, I don't know if I've seen enough Jaden Smith's uh, body of work to really have an opinion. I, I, I cannot base it on... <sighs> Can't base it on his dad's stuff, okay? Well, no, not that, but um, you know the, the the Chinese version of the Karate Kid, and then I saw him in After Earth with his father. Not two good movies to really form an opinion on, to be honest. And you know, maybe those are the only two that he's done. I, I don't follow his work. the The biggest issue, the, the Chinese version of the Karate Kid was okay. Okay, Jackie Chan was great in it. Um, I thought it was a good enough story. It, it's very much a remake. You know, I think they tried to pay tribute to the original. The biggest issue I had um, with the remake is that Jaden Smith's character is like 12 years old, maybe 14, you know, where you had Daniel who was 16 uh, in the movie, you know, the other teenagers, they're, they're much older. I, I feel that they were a little bit more relatable in the things that they did. The, the uh, Jaden Smith's character, Dre Parker, he goes to China, meets this other girl who's his age, 12, 14 years old, and then they have a relationship. How are we supposed to relate to, you know, to those two leads, you know, who are like 12 to 14 years old? 
Well, it's um, a giant gap. You're look, looking at Jaden Smith, his acting, no offense to anybody that's a Jaden Smith fan out there, but in the movie, I couldn't really get the feeling or kind of the guess captured feel, I would say, of when I was watching, you know, Daniel Sun and the original Karate Kid. When I was right. watching that, it was a whole like Ralph Macchio. Like mm-hmm. when I was watching him play, it seemed like a little bit more believable. There was a little bit more. It's like watching when you watch Spider-Man and you see like Tom Holland play Spider-Man. He does an okay job. I'm not a fan, but Peter, like Tobey Maguire was Spider-Man back in the day because he was literally like 30 years old playing an 18 year old. And it made you believe he was 18 years old. Like the first Spider-Man ever. And I don't know, it's just because I also like older classic movies, but I watched the new Karate Kid in theaters and I'm sitting there and at the ending, he goes and does like a backflip or whatever and kicks him (laughs) in the head. I'm like, the fuck did I just watch? I'm like, I saw that and my friends were all freaking out like, oh, I was like, no, 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 no. What was that? Yeah, it, it kind of does a, a kick like Guile from Street Fighter or something, right? It, it's a little, it's a little weird. Fucking video um, game shit. Yeah. I was like, he's got wires on him or something. There's no yeah. freaking way. Where's the realistic version? The best part about the Karate Kid at the ending, it was simple. I don't mm-hmm. like that Daniel Sun won. I believe the real Karate Kid. I think we all know who that is. William Zabka. Yes. Johnny Johnny Lawrence. Okay. That is well, real karate. He trained. That's his a lot of people's opinions off. too. He was he was hey he was a jerk. But he tra- he was the one that trained. He was the one that was invested in that. He just took it a little too far. And at the ending, having respect for the man was a different play than in the new one. The new one was they made the kid a bully the whole entire time. They didn't they mm-hmm. didn't give him that innocence factor. William Zapka learned. And now you look at William Zapka. I don't know if you saw the How I Met Your Mother when he was on there. Not yet. No. They made fun of him the whole time because uh, Neil Patrick Harris is like, I want the real Karate Kid on at my wedding. So they get uh, Ralph Macchio and he's like, no, it's William Zapka. And everywhere he's going, Zapka's going, everyone's throwing popcorn at him and saying boo because they just remember him from that one movie. And I was like, that's funny because with Will Smith and the Fresh Prince, they asked him before um, the show came out, they said, what do you want your character to be called? And just remember Whatever you choose, people are going to know you as the rest of your life. So he said, call me Will Smith on the show Uh because that's his name. He wants to be known as himself. You don't remember Alfonso. You remember Carlton. Right. So that that was the whole William Zapka thing. And he talks about the stress and anxiety he got from, you know, people just remembering um, from being the bad guy in Karate Kid. And he's had other famous roles as well. He has, and you know, he was kind of typecasted in the eighties too. He played a lot of a lot of jerks back then. Yeah, something about being uh, white and blonde for some reason was a was a stereotypical jerk for some reason. Kind of was, but on the flip <laughs> side, you know, you 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 make a a, a young woman, a, you know, blonde. And blue eyes and sometimes she's a bimbo right depending on the movie so the whole point of um, pam anderson and baywatch man yeah see so you know stereotypes that's, that's kind of how it was and and uh, I, I feel as time has passed and people got more progressive in their writing you know things like that change you know we want to avert stereotypes so what types of things did you really enjoy about like the karate kid now we talked about kind of like where it gave felt like a relationship kind of thing with um your grand like having a grandfather not a connection really but is like is is there certain scenes and stuff that you like ever tried or maybe like I, you never I'm I'm pretty positive that you probably practiced karate at some point 
I mean, I did. I went in the backyard, lined up a bunch of like wood planks and stuff and tried to punch through boards and realized that these were not breakaway boards I could be hitting through. You know, that's a, that's a, um, it's actually interesting because no, I, I never took martial arts uh, of, of any type, but, um, I was a fan of the first two Karate Kid movies for the longest time. I actually, I'm a bigger fan of part two, which um, I have found uh, over the span of me covering Cobra Kai that some people actually really hate that movie or they just don't like it or, you know, they have their their opinions of it. Um, having covered the show and interviewing the people that I have, I, I've been very fortunate and I have had the pleasure of speaking with people who I never thought I'd ever speak with. Uh, I mentioned, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of part two. I once had lunch with Yuji Okamoto, who is the villain in part two. Uh, his character's name is Chosen. Um, I sat down and and spoke with him. I interviewed him uh, first, you know, I, you know previously uh, over the phone and stuff. But then I drove up to Seattle because he has a couple restaurants up there. And, you know, I, I thought he was just going to come say hello since I interviewed him. But he ended up sitting with me for like three hours and we just had a conversation. And, um, you know, I asked him, I go, you know, I, I have found that people don't like part two. They, they really love one and three, but three is actually not a good movie, at, at least, you know, in terms of the writing and, and things like that. It's very much a rehash of part one, kind of. And, um, you know, he says, I, I think people really love the Cobras. You know, they love Cobra Kai. And they're, that is very um, absent in part two. You know, uh, it takes place in Okinawa, you know, near Japan. And and maybe that's what it is. It's more of Mr. Miyagi's story. And maybe people didn't really care for that story. They wanted Daniel getting beat up by the Cobras, <laughs> you know. And so that's where one and three comes in. And, and maybe that's why people gravitate to those movies a little bit more than part two. Everyone, uh, part wants two. To, everyone wants to see the climb of the underdog. Nobody ever wants to see how that person got trained or the under the unraveling story behind it they just want to see the underdogs climb to success yeah 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 so i mean that's that's why i love part two um just as much as i love back to the future part three where that's uh, mostly about doc you know and people are like well i don't, I don't like westerns it's like it's a it's it's a franchise about time traveling. What, what do you want him to be stuck in 1955 for all three movies? You know, uh, hey, all Back to the Future's were <laughs> badass. Yeah, I mean, I consider it one big saga. To be honest with you, so when people you know say part two, part three, I kind of joke and say, "You mean Act two, Act three? I mean, that's just a six-hour movie, really." Yeah, it's really, really good. I mean, that's I, dude. I learned Johnny Be Good because of that guy when he went to oh, go yeah. play at the talent show. I wrote that whole song down, every single thing where I know all the lyrics to it. Oh, and that's I mean, awesome. Cause I had good times. Like I was at my grandparents and you know, up in, if I went up to my grandparents in Baltimore, you know, rarely get to see them. Next thing I know I'm downstairs, you know, in the basement or something watching TV on their flat screen and, you know, on a pullout couch and I'm just sitting there watching next, you know, back to the future comes on back in the HBO days when you had to pay six ninety nine for a film. <laughs> you know, I'd charge their bill and be like, it was good seeing you guys. Next thing you know, I get a call when I'm like three hours away. They're like, did you buy a bunch of back to the future movies? I was like, yep. Yep. That's me. That was me. I was listening this guy with to Marty two thumbs. <laughs> yeah. Guy. I actually, uh, I'm looking right behind me here. Actually, I have a shelf full of like back to the future toys and all different types of, um, you know, the, the movies, I have the movies on VHS, you know, which is actually in a pack. Uh, I have like DVDs and Blu-rays, different versions of them. I have all types of Funko Pops and um, and Lego sets and, and all of this stuff. So that's probably the most collectibles that I have is the Back to the Future stuff. Um, Credit Kid and Cobra Kai, I'm slowly 
uh, collecting some of those, but I'm not, you know, th those aren't going to be like my number one collectibles. You know, I, I'm already doing the show and the interviews alone are priceless to me. Um, so, it, you know, apples and oranges, but that, that's, that's what I'm doing with the whole Cobra Kai stuff. Which, which do you care more about? Do you have a more of a passion for Back to the Future just because it kind of hits you before the Karate Kid? Or do you have more of a passion for Karate Kid based on all the people you've interviewed? I mean, you've met William Zapka. You, you've, you've done so much with your podcast and it's, it's helped you get to meet all these amazing people from especially something that you focus on too. And, but you get to see it turn into a TV show. Like, do you find that like, they're doing it justice in the TV show. Do you find that you might end up wanting to do a podcast maybe on Back to the Future? It seems like you're a little bit more interested in that. Well, um, I, the, the, the funny thing is I actually I, I host another uh, podcast that's a retro movie review. And the idea for that show is to uh, kind of review mostly movies that we grew up watching, see if they still hold up. So it's kind of. You know, it's kind of like the concept of time traveling, right? Oh, no, oh, I, I, I didn't leave out Podstalgic. Don't, I'll, oh, I'll give you oh, a oh, okay. shout out, Podstalgic. Okay. All right, all right. So I won't go too much into that, but, you know, um, th th that's kind of where, like, uh, I, I still have, like, the tie to Back to the Future because my episodes do open up with a, uh, a Marty McFly introducing the podcast. Um, the Cobra Kai stuff, you know, I, I'm starting to become, like, really, uh, I, I already was... I was already in love with the, the, the Karate Kid movies. And then when this Cobra Kai show came along, uh, you know, it continued that story, but from a different perspective uh, with that of uh, the Johnny Lawrence character. Um, I, I love every episode. I, I'm loving everything that's coming out of that. Yeah, everyone's kind of refining their, the, the, it's kind of like uh, hooking up with the ex, <laughs> kind of, so to speak, I suppose. But, um, yeah, I, I guess, you know, because of the interviews and, uh, the reach that I'm getting with this particular podcast, I, I literally have lis listeners from around the world. Um, in my Facebook group, I have uh, an Italian woman who speaks no English at all, but she will go on the translator, type something in Italian, translate it to English, and communicate with us in the group. I will then take you know my replies, put it in the translator into Italian, and then correspond with her that way. You know, and uh, we have a gentleman from Montreal where English is his second language, you know, he speaks French, but uh, speaks enough English to communicate. A, a woman from Uruguay, you know, who listens to our show to um, work on her English, you know, so I've never had these interactions before in any of the other podcasts I have done. I, I've hosted like over five or six podcasts, you know, over going on six years here. Um, but I, I think the reach and the interactions, it, in terms of podcasting, I think Cobra Kai is definitely like, you know, my favorite thing to do. Uh, is it, definitely become my number one podcast to put most of my focus into. And I look uh, most forward to do uh, producing content for the Karate Kid and Cobra Kai. Um, I have made friends with people who I have watched on screen like over decades that they'll just randomly text me and ask me something or, you know, I have like a proposition, whether it's business or just for uh, collaborations, you know, so that's awesome. I can pull out my phone and I have like all these numbers to, Again, people I've seen on screen, and and some of which actually consider me a friend. Um, you know, I've uh, I, I feel like I, I've become pretty close with like the creators as well, who came on my show for an interview. And uh, I flew out to Atlanta just a few months ago, and one of them, you know, gave me a tour of the sets. And from speaking with some of the moms whose sons are on the show, some of them have even said that their sets that they haven't even seen that I got to see. 
Um, so I think, you know, I'm, I'm doing something right here where the creators are enjoying my content as well. You know, they, they enjoy the interviews that I'm doing with some of the, uh, the, the younger cast members who are a little uh, less publicized than, than the older cast members. You know, so they're learning about these, these other people that work for them that maybe aren't on set as often as the others, and they don't get a chance to talk to them as much. Now, what's your fascination with kind of flashback movies in a way? Because with your podcast, um, it, it's, it's interesting because I think we think around kind of older movies seem like they had a lot more of a basis to it than the stuff that gets played out now. It doesn't mean that the ones that get played out now are bad. It just means like it seemed like the older ones you know like i could tell you like the original ghostbusters and then stuff like if you wanted to look at um you know jim carrey's older movies um the the cable guy for one i remember seeing that on tv um you know it's the older ones seem to have a little bit more of a story basis to it a little bit more of including like you actually have to be paying attention and then you start unraveling a bunch of stuff uh and the newer ones it seems like it's an explosion every five minutes i mean angels in the outfield i'm pretty sure everybody remembers that field of dreams whatever list goes on and on and on i can name a bunch of older movies that i've enjoyed more than the newer stuff only on the concept of the newer stuff seems like i understand it's trying so hard to keep your attention because it's so easily lost with how technology is today but it seems like it loses a major point of it too. It's funny you um, bring that up. Uh, first off, you know, little shameless plug, but I have reviewed both Angels in the Outfield and Field of Dreams. Uh, again, right? These are movies that uh, we grew up watching, and we—I mean, everybody. Um, when I first started the show, it was a father and son podcast. My son, again, now nineteen, we started when he was fourteen, and I, I think he may, maybe probably did like maybe the first 50 or 60 episodes, I kind of forget now. Um, and he would just, you know, I would introduce him to these movies I grew up watching and he'd give his perspective. Uh, but as he got older, he became more involved in school and after school activities. And so I had to kind of evolve into uh, bringing on other hosts to come on and review a movie. And then uh, and then I finally got a steady co-host to, to be on every episode. Um, but, you know, nostalgia is a thing, right? I mean, that's why I think a lot of people love Cobra Kai because it kind of brings them back to the Karate Kid movies that they watched growing up with Paul Stalgic, you know, um, we, 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 we try to review movies on their big anniversaries and that's kind of how we go about choosing the movie. Sometimes we'll just randomly pick one cause we want to do an older movie. But a lot of times when you're out with your friends, anyway, something comes up that, that, that reminds you about the past, you know? And so that's kind of what we do about, uh, with these movies. Sometimes field of dreams, for example, I had not seen that movie growing up. You know, it, it's a classic and people love that movie. And people are like, well, how come you've never seen Field of Dreams? I was like, well, you know, it's, it's a baseball movie. You know, I, I never got into baseball. Um, and maybe that's why I never watched it. Sometimes I started looking at cornfields differently whenever I saw that movie. I was like, damn, somebody's going to come out of them cornfields. It's going to be, uh, what's his name? Uh, the famous Tracy Morgan coming out of the cornfield. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that'd be an interesting, uh, uh, visit by Tracy Morgan. But, um, you know, that that's kind of what we do, you know? So, so we, we bring up the movie and then not only do we talk about some of the other movies that came out that that, that very weekend that that movie came out talk about the number one song, what our memories are of it. And then we talk about our history with the movie, if we have any. And then before that, we, we, we dive into the movie and kind of have a free-flowing conversation about the movie, get into certain details. Like, man, I didn't remember this part. 
you know, or, or wow, this happened and it does not hold up. So you mentioned, you know, like some of the older movies in terms of the story are a little bit better. Well, again, the concept of the show is kind of revisiting these movies and seeing if they still hold up. Uh, a few months ago, we did Earth Girls Are Easy, right? You got Jeff Goldblum, Gina Davis, Jim Carrey, Damon Wayans. You know, you're like, oh, that sounds like a hoot, you know, and some maybe fondly remember it being good. We watched it and, got, and we're like, man, this movie is terrible. Like, who, who likes this movie? And it's one of our like biggest downloaded episodes. Earth Girls are easy. Who would have thunk? Um, I haven't checked yet, but uh, we also did Shawshank Redemption, which we both had fond memories of. Completely holds up. It's a lot of people's, you know, one of their top favorite movies. And that was very popular, too. So what's one movie that you've watched that hasn't hold up that really, really hits you? Like you feel like you had to give it another try to watch it again. And it seemed like it's still you lost even a little bit more respect for it. I, I I can't remember the last one that I had to um, that it took me multiple viewings to finish, but there has been some. Um, Earth Girls Are Easy is probably the most recent one I remember that I just, you know, we we talked about it and we we were both mad that we had to review it. Um, recently, we were gonna review a movie called The Best Man for its twentieth anniversary. That's a two hour quote unquote rom com with Tay Diggs, Morris Chestnut, Nia Long. We both watched that and then we texted each other like, this movie sucks. Like, you know, let's just skip this one. And we were both okay with that. So we wasted our time watching that movie and we disliked it so much that we decided to skip that movie and didn't even put uh, an episode out. We were like, okay, we'll just wait for the next anniversary or whatever. You know what I used, I watched Remember as a little kid and then I watched it later and I didn't think it held up at all. I could tell you right now, Mighty Ducks, man. Really? Dude, I watched that movie when I was a kid. I was like, this is the best movie ever. And then I was like 14 and 15, and I saw that movie, um, the other hockey one that's on Netflix. Uh, I think it's like Slapshot or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. Slapshot, yeah. There's like one and two. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Once I saw that, I was like, this is awesome, because it, it seemed like it took place around the same time, like the same kind of camera, and it seems like the same production style as like Mighty Ducks. And I went back and watched Mighty Ducks. I was like damn, I don't like this movie at all anymore. And the same thing with Hocus Pocus. Like, I remember watching that with my mom as a kid. And then I watch it now. I'm like, why was I, why was I so into this? This is the weirdest show ever. <laughs> uh, again, both movies I, I've reviewed. It's funny you mentioned uh, Mighty Ducks because I thought it held up. But again, the nostalgic, right? It's, it's a play on nostalgia. Yeah. Excuse me. And um, so I don't know. Maybe I, I did review the trilogy, uh, one, two, and three. And per- perhaps that was my, my nostalgia lens is on, right? Maybe I enjoyed those movies because I remember them fondly, but I, I guess to me it held up. Uh, Hocus Pocus, I can see what you mean by that. It's, it's very much a family movie. Um, it's a little dark in the very beginning because, uh, you know, the, the Sanderson sisters, they do get hung in, in the very beginning of the movie. Um, so, you know, depending on the age, it might be a little dark. But after that, it's actually, it's still pretty good. Uh, we watch it every year um, in our household just because the kids love it. And, and I, I still I still enjoy it. You know, it's not something I want to put on personally for myself. I, I prefer to watch it in a family setting. I think um, but, uh, what's cool about like flashback movies or these old nostalgia movies is the mm-hmm. ones that really seem like they really hold up or are like Christmas theme, Halloween theme, stuff that happens to do with the holidays. Like I watch Jim Carrey's um, The Grinch when I was a little kid watching that with my dad, seeing how much okay. he enjoyed that. And then every Christmas it's coming on or maybe let's say a Christmas story. 
every Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, the TV does not go off of a Christmas story. And every time I watch it, it's not that the movie is good, but the memories I had within the movie, if I yeah. can, if I, that makes any sense. I mean, it my does. Christmas Eve tradition with my dad is steak and shrimp by the TV watching a Christmas story and me and him both looking at each other and going fragile, <laughs> like that whole thing. Like whenever that movie comes on, I immediately text him now. I'm like, are you watching? He's like, got the shrimp already, man. I'm like, dude, it's just, it's amazing because I just find even more love with that movie where I'm going to keep watching it and watching it. And eventually when I have my own kids, I can do the same thing. And then with the Grinch's Christmas story, like I watch that now I'm older. And I'll watch it by myself because I'm like, this is a fucking great movie. Like, I just remember I'm flooded with so many memories of with my family where I feel like holiday movies, all these types of nostalgic movies, they really give up more impact later in life, especially when you uh, you don't have those memories really like on hand to be able to just to go off into. Yeah. And, and that's what we try to do with some of these other movies, too. You know, so you, you mentioned like the holidays. Um, there's plenty of movies that are, you know, aren't very synonymous with holidays. And so um, well, one of the reviews that surprised me, like early on with my son, he didn't care for Three Amigos. And, you know, to me, that's one of the, you know, the most quotable movies in history. And I remember loving it. Now, I still enjoyed the movie. But for the purpose of our review, my son and I, when we watched it, it wasn't as funny as I remembered, to, to be honest with you, but I still enjoyed the watch and I still enjoyed the lines delivered and I still enjoyed the performances. My Little Buttercup, that number, uh, that, that the song and dance sequence is still very funny. But some of the other moments where there's a joke, I'm like, ah, man, that, that didn't really hit me uh, as, I, as I remembered, you know? So, um, so it's always interesting to kind of revisit some of these movies that you haven't seen in such a long time. Uh, you know, I've had people be like, uh, you know, if I tease a movie that I'm going to be reviewing, I, I've had people go, oh, that's that's one of my favorites as a child. And then I'll watch and be like, "Ooh, man, have you watched this recently? Because it was not good. You know, so maybe if you haven't seen the movie in a while and I say something in a review, sometimes it actually makes people want to go check it out to see if it's changed. And some people, based on my review, they're like, you know what? I don't want to watch it because I don't want that to taint, taint my memory of that movie. Yeah, sometimes you remember stuff that's better than it actually was. Like, I watched Beetlejuice, yeah. and I, I think Beetlejuice kind of holds up, but I don't think it was as impactful as it was when I was a kid watching it. It was a little bit more scary. Um, you know, watching something, Indiana Jones holds up. I like that. I think oh, anything yeah. that's like a, a good old classic, um, they hold up, especially yeah. like the newer Indiana Jones, too. Um, I know I saw the last one first. And then oh, I had to go back and rewatch. And um, I actually had more respect for it because you get to see ah. different changes and shifts to it. That's right. But, yeah. All movies I've reviewed too. Beetlejuice and uh, Indiana Jones. Actually, yeah. Beetlejuice and Indiana Jones. See, even though my son, you know, as he got older, there's still some movies that he'll come back and do just because he, you know, he's familiar, familiar that a certain title is a classic. Um, Starting him into movies at a very young age had had him appreciating older movies too. So I'm I'm glad I did the podcast with him. Uh, but he came on and he enjoyed the Indiana Jones movies as well. I kind of forget his um his thoughts on on all three of them. But I think him and I both agreed that the third one was probably the most fun that we had. Um, in in terms of like well, in, in comparing to the uh, other three movies, um, Star Wars holds up. I know that for a fact. 
Yeah, we've never done Star Wars, uh, but we've watched them together. That's a fandom that I don't really want to touch. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's a sketchy one a little bit. There's people that get pretty aggressive. Toward- I, well, I haven't done the originals, so so let me say that because um, I have um I have i've never seen the, the new ones stuff. i've never okay. seen the new ones i've only seen the old ones and i've been in podcasts with people that do star wars podcasts and i yeah. tell them the newer ones are just not fit for me i prefer the older ones with liam neeson you know the the prequels what they would call it and they that fandom gets a little bit crazy when it comes to that whole concept of making sure you get no it's this bro no it's this which uh, is understanding it, because it was something very very impactful at a time that there was nothing but star trek and then eventually star wars came out and People are like, this changes the game. It's like when Coke gave you Coke Zero, you can get the same taste of Coke, but no calories. People are like, holy shit, this changes the game. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny that you, you, you said the, the old Star Wars, but then you said Liam Neeson. Um, because when, you, when I hear old Star Wars, I think of the original three, you know, from the late 70s and early 80s. So that's kind of where my mind went. Um, but I, you know, I host another show and, you know, we're not really on a hiatus. It's just that the, this particular podcast, it's not my, like one of my priorities. And it's also not one of my co-hosts' priorities because he too hosts like a bunch of different movie podcasts, but it's called Original Remake. And basically we take a movie that, you know, uh, that has a remake and then we uh, kind of compare the two. So like with Star Wars, the, the, the OG, the original that came out in 1977, um, that was kind of based on a uh, Kurosawa movie called uh, Hidden Fortress. I think it was Kurosawa, but yeah, Hidden Fortress. And so we reviewed Hidden Fortress and Star Wars together. Um, you know, we've done, uh, let me see, what else have you, I, I think you mentioned something else. But anyway, we, you know, we, um, we have reviewed... Uh, well, it's a lost episode because we recorded, but one of our tracks was messed up and we couldn't put it out because it sounds so bad. But we reviewed the Karate Kid movie, you know, the 1984 and the 2010 or 10. Yeah, I think it's 2010. Um, so things like that. It, when it came out, we did, you know, the, uh, the 1990 part one, and then we reviewed the, the 2017 version of it. So if that sounds like something you guys be interested in, we've done that too. Point Break, you know, we did the original and the remake. So uh, we try to have fun with our selections. Well, man, I give you credit to you, dude. You're doing a lot of stuff and I appreciate you. Hey, taking the time to do the podcast, first of all, because I know I just messaged you out of the blue, but I appreciate you taking the time, man, and just having a good old conversation, dude. I'd like to give you here a minute at the end to be able to promote your content so people can find your work. Oh yeah, yeah, you know, Robbie, thank you for, uh, so much for for having me. Yeah, I, you know, I I have the day off, and um, that's kind of the hope too, right? When I reach out to people, uh, you know, for interviews and things like that, my, my hope is to get them sooner than later. So uh, yeah, I was happy that you reached out, and I'm happy that we were able to make this work. For sure. Well, what's your links, man? I want to make sure people can get it to you. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see. We, we talked about, uh, unfortunately I don't have a postal service, uh, podcast. Uh, the funny thing is I almost made do. one. That's what we I, Well, I, ha- I had one in the works, but work got so overwhelming that I couldn't do it. Uh, basically the, the idea was I was going to interview a mail carrier, um, and just hear their stories, you know, stories from the streets basically. Uh, because there was, did you ever hear about that running man challenge that came out like three, four years ago? Yes. Okay, yes. so I so I did that with a coworker in our uniform in the parking lot. 
Okay. And that went viral. We had like, I don't know, 80,000 likes and thousand shares or something. Um, and people were finding my personal Instagram account and I was getting friends that were mail carriers from all over the country. And that's kind of how I had the idea. It's funny that I'm promoting this because it doesn't even exist. <laughs> but the idea was, you know, I, I had all these new friends from around the country. I was going to invite them on the, the, you know, the podcast to talk to them. But anyway, uh, so that, that's not a thing, but I don't know why I brought that up. Anyway, um, we talked about Cobra Kai, Karate Kid. If that's something you guys are interested in, in, in that property, the interviews that we've done, we've done over 34 interviews and, and we have many lined up still because they are filming season three. Uh, the podcast is called Cobra Kai Companion. Companion is spelled with a K just to be a little bit different, you know, because if you type in, Cobra Kai, Cobra Kai Companion with a C, you might get other results, but you, you gotta be unique. You gotta, yeah, you exactly. Gotta, you gotta separate yourself from the other fake Cobra Kai companions. You're right, because there, there's so many of them, right? Um, so it's easier to find us that way. Uh, Podstalgic, very simple. Just type in Podstalgic. I'm the only one out there because I, I love to play on words and, and spelling things just a little bit differently. Uh, again, that's your retro movie reviews. And we, we do some new releases too. So uh, I wanted to throw that out because recently we just did Terminator uh, Dark Fate because both my co-host and I, we're, we're fans of the Terminator franchise. Um, original remake, that's the title of that podcast. If you want to hear us compare and, and talk about like an original movie and its remake. Um, one of my favorite ones that we did was um, A Star is Born, right? So we did the 2018 and then we did the Chris Christopherson version um, on that show. And that's pretty much the gist of it. If you find those podcasts, you can find my social media accounts and probably links to anything else I do as well. There, there's just way too many other things that I do that I don't want to take up too much time to promote. And send him all your mailing questions. Make sure you yeah. mail it, though. It only makes more of an impact if you send him a question about the mail through the mail. I, I'd be happy to answer any of those questions because I feel it's not that it's my duty or my job to do so, but I want people to be more informed about how things are done so that way they're not always shitting on us and pointing the finger at us and blaming us for things. There are reasons for things. All we got to say is fragile. 